to look at your life because you're not you. I'm going to point back to the ad and go, you're not you when you're hungry. You're not the real you. You're not all you could be when you're hungry. Now, in the Gospel of John, we have spent the last few weeks talking about the great I Ams. When Jesus strode onto the scene in the Gospel of John, he makes seven declarative statements about himself. He says, number one, I'm not going to use them in order, but I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. I am. I am. I am the good shepherd. We looked at that. I am the door or the gate. I am the light of the world by which you can navigate. I am the bread of life. In case you're wondering what we might be talking about this morning, we're talking about the bread of life. And what does that I am statement represent to you today? What does it mean to us today, 2,000 years later? And I want to say to you and put it to you this morning that Jesus strode onto the scene to say, I am, I am the only one who will truly satisfy your hunger. I am the only one who can truly satisfy your appetites. And he used something that every single person was so familiar with. He said, I am the bread of life. It's this that I want to unpack and talk about today. It's our appetites and our hunger. I want to go deeper this morning to just the superficial appetites of physical hunger because they're not the only thing that drive us, are they? The appetite for safety is a huge driving factor. The appetite for safety was a huge driving factor in marital alliances. The appetite for love. The appetite for acceptance. The appetite for sex. It's a word we shouldn't say in church, some people think, but you're not here by accident. Moving on. The appetite for value and worth. Those appetites drive you. And if you don't recognise the appetite, it is secretly driving you. When I was growing up, I want to share this story. When I was growing up, and I, I had an appetite for acceptance and worth and value, an appetite to belong, a need to belong, a need to feel safety of a group of people who are similar. And you go to school, and, and many of you can remember that on the front row, and those sitting at the back, there was a thing called school back in your day when you had moving on. I'm being cheeky too. Now, why do our older congregations sit at the back? The front is so much more fun. Is the front fun? All right. Just should I get on with my message? That'd be a good point, wouldn't it? Okay. Val and Brian, you are the second row from the front and you are absolute champions in this house. We love you guys. I, I, they have sat on the front row of this church for as long as I have been a member of this church. While I was just a little rug rat and then moved into a youth pastor and moved into the senior pastor, they have always sat toward the front of the church and championed on the senior ministers, the youth leaders, the young people, they have always been so encouraging. I'm off my message. 
But I want to just say, I love that spirit. I love the spirit of Phil and Mari just one row further back who are on the front pushing in. I think that's because Phil dragged her there, but that's okay. I appreciate it. I love the fact that Mari's in the house this morning. So good. Why don't we give her a hand? She had a huge surgery a couple of weeks ago. Mari, I love you. I honour you. I'm so glad you're in the house. It's, you are an answer to prayers. Can, can I just quickly digress? My gosh, I'm asking permission as if I give you any option. Uh, <laughs> this lady is a living testament to the power of prayer. It's the only person who I know who continues to visit death door just to close it again and say, no, thanks, not today. She continues to go there. She had a diagnosis of leukemia, a diagnosis of lymphatic cancer, a diagnosis of pneumonia. In fact, it was only a couple of years ago. Everyone was called in. I mean, everyone again, all the family and the senior pastor went. I only go, by the way, if I visit you in hospital, be scared, be really afraid. Anyway, and I went in because they said, you know, this could be it. Say good, you say your goodbyes, and and I went in and I'm like, okay, goodbye again, and uh, you know, here we are. However many years later, still here. She just went through major heart surgery, and she's still here, still champion. You know, she was still stood during worship. She was still lifting her hands. She was still praising God. She was still loving Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She still prays for the young people. She still believes God's going to do something in her life. And I just want to attest to that and go, you know, you might think you're 89 or 90 or however old Mari is, and I'm not going to confess her age. And you might think when you get a bit older that the best years are behind you. That's just not true. Mari keeps closing the door to glory. She's like the best years for her are actually in front of her. But I love the fact that she's staying. And can I say this like the Apostle Paul? She's not staying for her. She's staying for you. She's staying because you need prayer and you need counsel and you need loving and you need encouragement. She continues to turn up. I'm convinced that's why God continues to let that heart beat and put breath in your lungs because you still have something to give the next generation. Thank you, Lord. Now, where was I? Right. Thank you, Lisa. Why are you there? With your name, beautiful. Get on with the message, Phil. See what happens when they take that thing off my face. I just lose all concept of where I am and what I'm doing. Can I have a timer on? Otherwise, you guys will be here for lunch. And uh, I have no idea how much longer I've got. So, I've got, thank. Well, my daughter literally demanded fifty. Like she told me exactly. Anyway, moving on really quick. Okay. We have appetites, dreams, desires, things that are motivating, sometimes secretly manipulating our behaviour and our choices. I had an appetite to belong, an appetite to feel worthy, an appetite to feel love, an appetite to feel acceptance. And I remember when you go to school and you start looking around at the groups that you can belong to and you start looking around and you're like, man, I really want to belong. I want to feel loved. I want to feel valued. I want to feel accepted. Not only at home with my parents who have to because, you know, they're mine, but, but with other peers and people. I want to know that I'm okay. And so I went to school and I started looking around at the different groups and you look at the sports group and you want to be accepted and loved and welcomed into that group. And the only problem is they have a bar that's a little bit high, don't they? If you want to be in that group, you've got to be kind of, it's like a prerequisite, you kind of got to be good at sports. You've either got to be a good runner or a good high jumper or a good ball player, a good basketball player, which still involves a ball, but I meant football player or basketball player or cricketer or something. And can I just say, I had none of those things, none of them. I was terrible at sports. So it didn't take me long to figure out that I was never going to get my acceptance, worth or value from that group of people. So I looked to the other groups. 
And there's other groups in schools, aren't there? There's other groups. There's like that really cool group of nerds. Nerds weren't cool in my day, but Lisa was a nerd. You know, that was a cool group of nerds, the ones who could spell and punctuate every sentence accurately, the ones who could remember exactly what the teacher said, the ones who could sit politely and listen to the teacher for an inordinate length of time about boring issues. (gasps) And not you, Nikki, you were never my teacher, otherwise I would be further on than I am today. Thank you. But, uh, you know, like the truth is, right, I realised really quickly that that was not the group I was going to belong to. I was never going to feel accepted. I was never going to satisfy my hunger by joining that group because I just didn't fit into that group. And then I found my group. Oh, my gosh, everyone say my group. Come on, it makes, more, it makes me know you're all still awake and listening. You hadn't nodded off. And then I found my group and my group. Are you ready? There's such a cool group. The bar was, I wouldn't say it was high, but the group that I wanted to hang out with, they were the smokers. Yes. Do you know what you've got to do to be in the smoking group? Yeah. Yeah. For those who didn't get that answer correct, we have bigger issues. We'll pray for you later. But all you had to do, but actually not entirely true. You ready? You didn't just have to smoke. (laughs) This sounds funny. You had to inhale. You could not be, in my day, if you took a puff on a cigarette and just like that, they called it, please forgive me if it's not politically correct anymore, they called it a bum puff, okay? You could not be a bum puffer and be in the smokers group. The only thing you had to do to be in the smokers group was be able to go, and just hold it in for a minute, let all your lungs constrict on you and then go, and pretend you really enjoyed that moment. If you could do that, you belonged. If you could do that, you were in. So guess what? My appetite to belonging drove me to do. My appetite for needing to belong, the hunger to be accepted drove me to smoke. I'm going to pause because I think in this generation I'm going to say there are appetites that are driving our young people to make incredibly poor choices. Appetites and needs for people to belong to certain groups, identity groups, methodologies, etc. that cause us to make really poor life choices, that cause us to make life choices that have irreparable damage. And you may think it's only in this generation that those choices are on the horizon. They're not. Those choices are as ancient as a slithering snake in the Garden of Eden. Those choices say you can determine your own success. You can determine your own failure. You are the master of your own universe. And I want to say to you this morning, if you don't get a handle on your appetites and understand what is driving you, you will be the master of your own universe. No doubt about it. It's just a terrible universe to be a master of. Can I say that again? If you don't understand what appetites and what hungers are driving you to do, you can be the master of your own universe. It's just a horrible universe to be the master of. The truth is Jesus wants to offer you something so much better. He wants to offer you satisfaction and fulfillment that is found in him and him alone. And so we're going to pick this story up in the Gospel of John chapter 6. And in John chapter 6, we see this story begin to play out. 
where Jesus fed the 5,000 people in the wilderness just the night before, and then he's crossed over during the night to the other side of the lake, and the people wake up and they realise that I'm hungry again and I want more of what he gave me. And so they run around and they cross over and they find him, and they're desperate for him to give them something to eat. And we see this because Jesus replies to them in John 6.26, and he says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Jesus was pointing out to them that the reason you are following me, the reason you're looking for me is so that you can keep being fed bread. You can keep being fed superficially. And when you're fed superficially, you stave off other appetites. But the truth is the thing that's gnawing at your soul is something so much deeper than superficial appetites of physical hunger. And he goes on, he says, but in verse 27, he says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And if you drop down a few verses more, he's going through this incredible discourse and they're like, well, well, what can we do so that you can give us this eternal life? What can we do? And he says, believe on the one whom the Father has sent. And they're like, well, what will you give us? How are you going to prove that you're that one? And they said, you know, Moses proved that he was the one by feeding the people in the wilderness on the manna, the bread from heaven. Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. It wasn't Moses who gave you bread, but my father who gave you bread through Moses. And I am here today. And I am the bread of life. And we're going to drop down to verse 35 when Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Jesus used everyday items to connect and to convey deep spiritual truths to his people. Jesus used the natural hunger to draw the people to him so that he could point to a deeper hunger that was going on inside their life. And I think that's the same today. Some people come to Jesus, don't they? To just get my superficial needs met. Jesus, my wife's angry. My husband's mad. My boss is crazy. My family's astray. And so they come to get their superficial needs met. And do you know what? I love Jesus. When Jesus was there in the wilderness, he fed the 5,000 the superficial bread. But he wanted to take him deeper. And he wanted to expose to them and point out to them that the thing you're really hungering for is never going to be satisfied with just physical satisfaction. The thing that you're, can, can we just take a minute and ponder for a moment the people that we know in your own world, in the world today, how many people do we know that are so hungry for respect or hungry for love or hungry for acceptance that they would do some really strange things to be loved and accepted or respected? How many women are in, uh, ladies are in relationships with men for the sake of safety, and yet the man is anything but safe. How many people are, are driven by hungers and they don't know where to go to get their hunger satisfied? How many people, for the sake of respect, are driven to make millions of dollars or driven to stand on a stage and be incredibly popular and comedic? And if they don't address the true hunger, the deep desire within them, no matter how much 
popularity they get or wealth they get or success they get or respect they get, there's still a gnawing hunger inside them. How many successful people have we seen terminate their lives and we're standing there shocked? Why would you make such a decision? Why would you end such a successful life. You're a sportsman, you're a comedian, you're a millionaire, you're a professional businessman. You've got everything going for you and yet you're still hungry. I want us to relate to that this morning. I want us to look in the mirror of God's Word and see ourselves this morning. I want us to see ourselves sometimes chasing Jesus for the superficial highs and for the superficial pleasures of this world. And Jesus is trying to say to you, I believe this morning we need to go a little deeper. I need you to search for me for the deeper things. And if you can understand what your appetites and your hungers are, you'll understand what drives you. And if you can understand what's driving you, you can understand what you need to truly get satisfaction and sustenance. Church, my heart this morning as I'm praying this and as I'm thinking it through is that we can run all over the world. We can do all sorts of really dumb things to satisfy superficial hungers. And Jesus is beckoning us. Just as he did 2,000 years ago, he is striding into the stage of our life today and he is saying to us, I and the bread. I am that staple part of your diet. In fact, in, the, in those times, there was pretty much not a meal served that didn't incorporate bread. Why? Because he's saying, I'm the, st- I'm the thing you need to satisfy your physical hunger, but I'm also the thing you need to satisfy your emotional hunger. I'm the thing you need just like you need it every meal. You need me every single day. In fact, he phrased up the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you're praying, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And then he said, what? Give us today. Give me today. God, would you satisfy my appetite and my hunger today? God, today I come to you with this yearning hunger. God, I come to you with an appetite that's insatiable. God, I come to you with an appetite to be loved. God, I come to you with an appetite to belong. God, I come to you with an appetite to be respected. God, I come to you with an appetite. What is the appetite that's driving your decisions today? And if you can understand that, then you can bring it to the table and you can sit at the table with Jesus and say, God, I need this bread to satisfy this particular hunger. God, I don't want to look to Sam to satisfy my need for approval. I don't want to look for Bex or for anybody else to come and tell me I did a great job. God, I want to know that you and I are okay. I want to know that I'm with you and you're with me and together we're one. And God, I want to feed myself on your word and on your bread until you are so filling me that I don't need anything from anybody else. And I don't come hungry to get something, but I come full to give something. See, when you're really connected and filled with God, you're not going throughout the world going to, Jordan, do you like me? Do do you like me too, Beck? Do do you like me, Priya? Do do you like me, Callum? He's shaking his head, you know, my ego's down. Callum said he doesn't like me. What did I do wrong? Why didn't he like me? Oh my gosh, you know, it's not fair. I've done everything to get Callum to like me and he still doesn't like me. What more could I possibly do to get Callum to like me? When you live your life like that, you are being driven to appease everybody else. But if you would come to Christ and go, God, fill me. Give me today your daily bread. 
Fill me. God, I don't come to beg to get. I come to beg to give. Because your bread has so satisfied me that I don't come hungry looking for you to meet my needs. I come to give you something. Can, can you... Can you see how this transforms your whole life? At 16 years old when I met Jesus, I, he did something so deep inside me that changed and set the course of my life. And for the rest of my life, I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've just been spending my years discovering appetites that have been driving me and then handing those appetites to Christ and then realising there's still another appetite that drives me. And I go to him and I say, would you, would you satisfy that appetite? And he goes, yes. And, and then I find another appetite and another appetite. There are appetites that are at work within our life, manifesting all the time, manipulating us to do certain things, make dumb decisions. And Jesus is trying to call to us as he did to the people that day and said, stop searching for me for superficial stuff. Find true satisfaction in my presence, in my word, in who I am to you and with you. Sometimes you think you hunger for something on the surface only to realise it's a something you're hungering for is so much deeper. And this morning, I want to just lay this out as a concept before you. I want him to come into your life today and for you to not just see him but partake of him, to receive him, to enjoy him, to allow his life and his presence to come into you to transform and to change you and to transform and to change your appetites. Jesus offers himself as a constant source of nourishment to satisfy our deepest hungers. He empowers us, he strengthens us, he sustains us through every season of life. He is the one who satisfies us in the midst of our ups and of our downs. He is the bread of life. And today, he's inviting you to the table. And I'm going to invite you in a moment to step out of your chairs and step out of your comfort zones. We deliberately didn't hold the communion table at the back so you could get it on the way in and just pass by. We put it at the front. Because I think communing with him is a choice. It's a conscious decision to say, God, what I'm really hungry for can only be found in you and in what you've given us. And so this morning, in a moment, I'm going to ask you and invite you to stand out of your chairs and to filter across the front to take communion emblems and to go back to your chairs. As we come to the communion table today, I want you to ask yourself a question, what am I really trusting in? I'm going to invite you to come now. Would you stand where you are right, to you, right now? And I don't want to make a big crazy rush. And I don't want to do it irreverently. I want you to respectfully ask that question of yourself. What is it I'm really hungry for? I'm going to perhaps just invite this section to come first. And would you filter across? And as you're walking, would you answer the question, come now while I'm talking, it's fine. 
And would, as you're walking there, would you answer the question, what is it I'm really hungry for? Can you answer it in your own head? Can you answer it? And take the emblems and head back to your chair and we're going to join together as a family across the audience, across the congregation. What is it you're hungry for? What is it you're thirsty for? What is the appetite that's been driving you? And can it be found in Him? Maybe even ask how it's found in Him. After that section, I'm going to ask you guys in the middle to come forwards. Thank you, Father. Step out of your comfort zones and come. Here's the gate through which we enter and find safety, peace and protection. He is the shepherd who leads us home and calls us to follow him. He is the light on the hill by which we can navigate life's decisions and choices. He is the bread of life that satisfies that satisfies every appetite and every desire. Can we turn the keys up a little bit? Just come. I just want to hold this space this morning. I think we rush through church services so quickly. We hear the message and we don't allow it to to sit in our spirit and we don't ponder it and reflect on it. I'm asking you to come. Would you get the next section to come? Can I have the service team just check we've got enough emblems, please? If we've got, we need to put more out. He invites you to the table to come, to take a step of faith, to make a decision. God, everything. Everything I ever need is going to be found in you. Just as bread was a part of every meal, it's got to be a part of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.